Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today, and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we'd invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. Okay, so today we are jumping into Hosea 8 through 14, and we have Johnny back in the house with us today, and Lenny and Ben. Unfortunately, Dave's not here today, so we're going to to jump in without him. Uh, Hopefully, he'll be back around next week. Hosea 8 through 14, kind of the the end part of this, and just want to float it out there if anything stood out to you as you were reading this multiple times this past week. I'm like, I'll jump right in. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, know, I, know, I know you have some stuff you already want to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> so there was a couple parts. So I always um, I always call them Jesus proofs in the Bible, which is when whenever something points to Jesus, whether it alludes to it or it's flat out word for word, like, you know, prophesied, whether it's Isaiah 53 or it's, um, you know, Psalm 22, like you talked about in the sermon for Easter um, or in Genesis when you see the uh, the ten names in Genesis five that are the when you translate those those names in that genealogy and it says that God's gonna mm-hmm. come here and you know take a, you know and sacrifice himself for us. So there there was uh, one I was I wasn't actively looking for, but you know God presented it to me. Hosea eleven verse one. <clears throat> Mine is an ESV transliteration. It says the Lord's love for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now this is a big deal because this is this is uh, the part in Hosea, in particular between eight and fourteen, where you see God sort of change his mood. He softens his heart. He begins to you know be very compassionate towards Israel as far as how he's speaking. Um, That's a common theme, and it's also it's also a part in Hosea where it switches from the relationship of Hosea to Gomer and Israel being like a harlot or a prostitute or running off, and you know, and he he calls Israel male my son mm. and this is a big deal because obviously who who jesus who yeshua is which is his son if you go to matthew 2 verse 15 it says and remain there until the death of herod this was to fulfill that the lord had spoken by the prophet out of egypt i will call my son it says mm. in quotes so you can see specifically that this was prophetic in nature of when Jesus was born and lived in Egypt for two years as a toddler with his parents, mm. and God called his son out of Egypt. Mm. So I just, for me, it's one of those Jesus proofs where, yeah. you know, what is it? How many hundred, how many centuries before Jesus was born was this written right. by Hosea? You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. So Well, and, and, and even within that, what are the chances that Jesus could have come out of Egypt? You know, I mean, really... There was no chance because he was born, you know, in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth, but it was only because of the fact that the emperor of the day was going out actively trying to kill right. the infant boys to prevent a uprising of the king of the Jews. That an angel wakes Joseph up in the middle of the night. Now, now I, I preached about Joseph once, and um, man, what an inspiring character Joseph was. You know, we, we don't really talk about him and think about him much. But, I mean, he gets woken up in the middle of the night by an angel saying, 
take your family and move to Egypt. And like that moment, like yeah. he didn't delay to say in the morning. He said, it was like, like right there, Mary, come on, let's get up. We're moving. Yep. He's like, what? 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 We're moving now. Now, get your things, yeah. get the donkey, get Jesus, and we're out of here. Yeah. And like they literally just packed up and moved to Egypt where they lived there for, like you said, a couple years. Yeah, and then years, at that yeah. point, uh, you know, they get the, the, the all clear from God where they move back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like all these things. And that, that's the fascinating thing about prophecy is because like you couldn't plan that really. It gets better. There's another layer to all this. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So there's, Hosea there's, 10. there's a lot. Yeah. yeah so, so, so Hosea 10, I also have saved where it says, um, Hosea 10 verse nine, from the day, days of Gilbeah, you have sinned, O Israel. There they have continued, overtaken in uh, Gebeah. When I please, I will discipline them, and nations shall be gathered against them when they are bound up for their double iniquity. Ephraim was, uh, was a trained calf that loved to thresh, and I spared her fair neck. But I will put Ephraim into the yoke. Judah must plow. Jacob must harrow for himself. Right? So this is, this is a big deal, too, because if you, if you know what Gebeah is, it's, um, it's a village in Judges 19 where, the, where there's a story of a traveler and his, his concubine, and they stop in this village of the tribe of Benjamin, and they, the leaders of Benjamin kidnap her, rape her, beat her, and then leave her for dead. Mm-hmm. So if you're reading Hosea 10, verse 9... And you hear God referencing that you have sinned, O Israel, since Gebeah. He And if you remember this too, in Judges 19, this whole uh, story creates a big um, rift between oh, yeah. the tribes. Between yeah. Benjamin, they, they wipe them out. Yeah. It's, and, and it, and or it, almost wipe them out. And it's like, it's like God saying that like Israel is like those men, those, those violent, murdering, like rapists. Well, she didn't die, but still... Like just about to. yeah yeah it, and then she get hacked into twelve pieces after yeah. that and mailed out to all the other yeah, tribes. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. gets it yeah. gets grizzly yeah. really quick yeah. special yeah. delivery so so it's one of those things where it's like he's saying Israel you are a bunch of like rapists and murderers and you have no remorse you have no sorrow for what you've done and he's charging all of Israel for this yeah mm-hmm. and and he, like I said if you fast forward to the the next chapter eleven he says but you're like my son and I'll call you out of Egypt. So when you're reading this, that Israel is just like this wild animal. It's like this wicked, evil group of, of his high priesthood of humanity, his, his, his children. He's like, it's like the days of Noah, man. It's like what we're living in today. It's just like everyone is just out for themselves. You know, it's just evil in our hearts continuously. And it's like, he says that he's going to let like other nations rise up and conquer them. It's like he's saying, I took you out of Egypt because I heard your cries. But I'll let you go back into bondage. I'll send you back to Egypt. I'll send you back to Babylon. You can be exiles again. And I'll do this so that I can train you. So that I can train you to rely on me, to trust in me. Like he says, I've started this mm. from the beginning. Mm. And have you forgot that this that this is my creation? This is my plan? Mm. And what, what do they do instead? They, they, they idols and they, they're like, oh, we should be more spiritual. Well, they so, become prideful. Well, it's worse mm. than that because not only is it the pride, they sit there and they say, well, all right, well, we need, we need help. Well, let's go to these other kings and nations. Well, the kings, what do we do? Well, we go to these gods. Mm-hmm. So now they're becoming idolaters all over again. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just like this cycle of people who need God, God's there for them, and then they forget once they're lifted up and all their problems are solved, they just revert back to, oh, we got this. I have wealth. I have health. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have everything that I need, all this abundance, all this provision. So I don't need God. What do I need God for now? 
And then with that pride, you see comes the fall, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, a quick 20-second story. I went on a hike, a short hike one day behind the church because I was frustrated. We were trying to launch our third location. Uh, we kept getting closed door after closed door, and I just felt God gut-checked me saying, are you, you know, praying to me and worshiping because I'm good? Or are you only going to worship me and pray to me when I've given you something you've asked for? Mm. It's, that, that's a, a lot of us, you know, we feel like when, once we are walking in stride with who God says we are and what he's doing in our lives, we become more powerful. It's true. Mm. Because the, the, we're drinking from the well. But as soon as we start to stray from it, then we're, you know, drying ourselves up because we thought that we were strong. I mean, in, in Hosea 10... Verse 13, it says, but you have cultivated, and he's talking to Israel, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten up the fruit of lives, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe, right? Now the terrors of the world, of the war, will rise among your people. All your uh, fortifications will fall, just as Solomon destroyed uh, Bethurbal. Then the mothers and children were dashed in death. You know, and just keeps going on and on, you know, because they trusted their, their might. Their military might. Their yeah. military might. Over God, yeah. Have you, right. And think of all the biblical um, battles where, like, the walls of Jericho. I love that story. He just puts the musicians out front. They walk around the wall seven times. Yeah. God's never, and then the walls just fall. Yeah. Or, or um, what's the one with Gideon where he's, like, he's from the weakest tribe, right. the weakest family, the weakest family member. Yep. And the angel appears to him while he's hiding. Yep. Right? And he's, like, mighty... Mighty War, man of war, yeah. yeah. Mighty, man of Mighty hero, right? Yeah, and then, and then that dude, what does he do? He blows a horn because God told him to. Yeah, and, and, they, then, and they smash their clay pots with a torch in them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then three hundred men. And then God has makes them defeat themselves. Yeah, and he he didn't even have to raise a sword. Right. Mm. So it's like God says, with just by trusting in me, it's like I'll fight your battles. You need only be still, right? Yep. Yep. I, I forget well, I forget who said it was uh talking about the Gideon story where he said mighty warrior and he's cowering in the corner. It's because God sees you as who you're going to be. Yeah, who you're meant to be. Who you're yeah. meant to be, not as who you are. But yeah. it, but it's just funny, God like we always say God uses the people that you least expect and he uses the circumstances that you least expect. Hmm. And it's like we're called to have faith, right? It is we're saved by our faith through grace, right? We're saved mm-hmm. by Jesus because we believe. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, faith is such a big part of the Bible, trusting. Because that's what faith is. Faith is trust. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is trust if it's not sacred, you know? Yeah. Well, a verse that we uh, kind of skipped over here was verse 12. What? Uh, 10? 12. Yeah, and 10. Yeah. It says, I plant the good seeds of righteousness. Or he said, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you'll harvest a crop of love. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just, you know, good principle. You know, plant righteousness, you reap uh, love. But this next line stands out to me. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. And just that whole idea of plowing up the hard ground of our heart. How often do our hearts get hardened towards God, towards whatever? And we were talking about a situation earlier of a heart that maybe has gotten hard to certain things. And it's like you said, plow up the hard ground of your heart. Plant good seeds of righteousness. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Hmm. And, and instead, they're, they're not following that. But I think it's advice that is just as relevant today as it was in Hosea's day, that we need to make sure that our hearts are plowed up. Hmm. Because the problem is, you know, and, and if you study uh, gardening or, or farming, shall I say, sometimes, you know, they, they plow the ground so much that it becomes 
I think it's called a, a, a plow pan, I believe is the, the term, where the first, say, foot and a half of soil becomes very, you know, it gets plowed up all the time, but it actually compresses it down deeper. And then the roots of the plants can't go down deeper. So then they need what's called like a plowshare, which is more like a, like a blade. Mm-hmm. And it goes down even deeper. So that way it can break up the fallow ground, the hardened ground. And that, I believe, <clears throat> is what God is wanting to do in, in our lives, is he wants to break up the ground, break up the hardness in our hearts so that we can plant these good seeds of righteousness and re- reap the crop of love. Because conversely, what you read, Lenny, says that you've cultivated wickedness and harvested a crop of sin. So it's like that's the opposite there. And, and, and it's ironic how so many people, they'll wonder at times in their life why they're getting wickedness and sin and all these things that are happening in their life, often blaming God mm. and not blaming the fact that they've been planting seeds the of wicked, corruption yeah, and wickedness, wickedness yeah. for the last 30 years of their sure, life sure. or whatever. Well, that's the problem, right? It's like sin... Is deceptive. Sin is this abstract um, concept that you know a temptation of some kind—be it greed, lust. I don't. I mean, pick a sin, right? Lying, you know, covetousness or whatever. It sort of says, well, if you have this new car, then you'll be happy. Mm. You know, if you you know have this affair, then you'll feel complete. If you you know, if you have enough money in savings. You won't have to worry about your future. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, am I driving past the guy who's homeless on the side of the road sleeping next to a McDonald's bag? Mm. Where God has, has given me life abundantly? Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's what sin does. Sin lies to us and says, this will bring you pleasure. Be it, you know, now or in the future. Just stick to this. Right. And you'll be happy. You'll feel complete. Right. Where God says, no, sin is a liar. You know, it's, it's a murderer from the beginning. Don't, don't trust it. You know? So. Reading, reading through Hosea actually helped me uh, realize that in verse 13 that I, I was, 10, Jesus 13? was talking, yeah, 10, okay. 13, Jesus was talking to me and about like six weeks ago, because obviously we keep reading through this, um, I definitely had uh, harvested some sin that I withheld for like about six years. Mm. I recently was able to talk to my wife about it. Mm. I was, uh, we were dating at the time. And I won't go into extreme detail, but it's just I was still not having a, a proper relationship with Jesus. I still was lying and, mm. and keeping things. And I remember telling you know, my wife, I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't lying to her anymore. Mm-hmm. I literally was with, I'm not withholding anything from my wife. My wife knows everything there is to know about me. At the time we were just dating, it was not the best relationship. There was a lot of maturing that needed to happen. I needed to like, you know, I was harvesting sin. I was still harvesting sin. I still had that lie, but things were obviously a lot better because I didn't go deeper. Mm. And I asked God to reveal some of the depths of my heart that I've like put on the back burner that I've tried to make myself forget about. Mm-hmm. And it was like convicting me so heavily. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And when I finally started talking to her, you know what her, you know what she said to me? I love you. So, and for five, six yeah. years, I withheld this sin. And I'm not saying that she's not dealing some of the 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 issues i had with it like because now she's thinking about it because i've revealed it and brought it into light but i'm i'm free from that Mm -hmm. and i'm not who that sin is yeah who the sun sets free is free exactly and then we lose sight of this right as the soldiers did as Mm -hmm. the military the the government at that time Mm -hmm. did and the people of Mm -hmm. israel did because we they too have similar stories obviously they're not all written in the bible but every single person can identify 
whoever is reading Hosea with us, whoever is studying and, and, and listening to Thriving in the Word, has something, a, a, a moment where Jesus was so much better than the sin, mm. right? But then, like, we, we, we hit, like, a week or a few months or something like that of feeling fine, because then we, we missed it already. It's the we missed the train. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we go back to the very <clears throat> thing that broke us, and now we're going back, you know, to Jesus asking us to be rescued. And it's just like, my goodness. I, I think the big part between um, 10 verses 12 and 13 for me, is where it says, you know, right following the break up your fo- follow ground, it says, for, and this is my ESV version, it says, for it is the time to seek the Lord. So that means, and your version says now. Now is the time to seek the Lord, right? Mm. So when mm. is now? Is it the past? No, no. Is it the future? Mm. So it's the present, right? Absolutely. So that, right. So that means that it's like eternal. Yeah. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Right now. Right now, every single day, every moment. Like, not just when you're down, not just when you're, your mom's in the hospital, you know, not just when, you know, you're worried about your finances or your kids, right? Yeah. Or your job. Mm-hmm. Now is the time. So, right now, you, everything might be fine. So, now is the time to seek the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's the valleys or if it's the mountaintops. Mm. Trust- Always seek the Lord. Yeah. Trusting in your military might, believing that great armies can make your nation safe. Tonight, are you worried that we're going to be invaded by some foreign force? Well, I mean... <laughs> I've seen Red Dawn, all right. So I know how it goes. But I'm, like, I'm a Wolverine, all right. So I'm just saying, like, I'm not. I'm, I sleep tight, knowing that I, my country is not going to be invaded. Right. But is it because I, of my belief in God, or because we have the largest military in the history of the world? Hmm. Yeah, where, where are you putting your faith? Are you right. putting your faith in men, right? And leaders and women, uh, you know, in pastors or preachers, mm. right? Or well, are you putting your faith in Jesus? Yeah. Well, it's like when David would say these things. Uh, about you know, I, I I lay down and I sleep because the Lord you know protects me, and and the time that he wrote that was essentially Absalom his son created an insurrection yeah to get him yeah. to get him <laughs> yeah. they have an army of I forgot what, what it was he's on thirty thousand people out there they're coming at him he's hiding in somebody's house and he and he's writing that night he's writing I lay down and sleep because the Lord sustains me it's just yeah, like yeah. you know. <clears throat> Yeah, it's one thing to lay down and sleep now because we know, hey, our military is protecting us. It's another thing to say, there's no military protecting me. Yeah, it's just, uh, but then like it's just God. Notice that David wrote that while he's on the run, and not while he was in his palace sleeping, you know, right. comfortably in his bed, with armed guards. Yeah, with his armed guards. Yeah. So, but to have a depth of knowledge, to have a, to have your faith grown to that extent. Yeah. To where perhaps David had dug past the topsoil. Yeah. Down to that fallow ground where he he broke it up so that his faith could have his roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper so he could stay spiritually grounded. Yeah, you know like, what I mean. When when you're in the garden and you're plowing it, you're pulling up all these rocks and weeds and, and weeds yeah. and stuff. And that that's another thing like I took from that is like you're not only are you plowing it, you're getting all the bad stuff out too. Right. Like your idol, like that uh, the gold calf and the stick of wood. That's my favorite. <laughs> the stick of wood that people were praying to, mm. you know, it's like all this, cra- you know, getting all the crap out and making it so that God can come in and take those spots. Yeah. Well, also all throughout Hosea, it says that like he is like among them, but he says, "But I'm holy. I'm God. I'm not a man." He he says that, and I forgot which uh, which verse it is, but in eight, this is eight through fourteen, of course. But he says, you know, he, this is where he's talking about how he's got all this stirred up wrath and anger, but he's going to be compassionate because he. He is God. He's holy. He's set apart. I mean, mm-hmm. think about how a human would react in a situation like that. 
Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what this whole Gomer and Hosea situation is, is someone who just loves somebody and they just keep getting cheated on. And mm-hmm. then it just keeps taking her back or taking back the, the adulterer over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. How mad would you be? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm married. Judy, mm-hmm. you're married. You're mm-hmm. married, right? You've been in relationships, right? Yeah. It's like, how mad would you be if your wife cheated on you? Mm-hmm. And not just once, mm-hmm. but with other people and had the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could take it, man, and that's just me being real. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, people go to jail for less. Right. You know what I mean? Pe- people lash out with violence or depression or addiction from, from wounds like that, from emotional trauma like that. Yeah. You know? And, and here is God saying, you're hurting me like that, and yet I'm going to show you why I'm set apart, why I'm holy, why I'm separate. Mm. I'm going to call you out of Egypt for yeah. God's sake, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 11 verse 4 has an interesting phrase says i led israel along with ropes of kindness and love and if you think about that being led by a rope does not seem kind and loving to the person being led and this is 11 you're saying yeah 11 verse what did i say four yeah three four four yep i led israel along with ropes of kindness and love and i think that that what that's saying to us is that god often leads us and this is ropes this is kind of against your will is he maybe going kicking and screaming mm. but he's saying i'm doing this out of kindness and love mm. i'm trying to drag you out of this pit I'm trying to drag you away from the things that you're doing that are an abomination that are displeasing that are causing famine and disease and all these things on on your families and your nation and your land I'm trying to pull you away in any way i can and sometimes it feels like we're going through things in life that are out of our control that don't particularly feel kind and loving, and yet God is still kind and loving, even in that. As he's leading us through these difficulties, as he's leading us through these strongholds, these tough times, and we often go kicking and screaming, but yet it's because of his love that he's bringing us there. Yeah. I think love is the big, is like the, the big theme here, other than forgiveness and redemption in mm-hmm. Hosea, right? I actually, um, I always open up my Bible Gateway app on my on my iPhone, and uh, the Bible verse of the day is exactly that, right? I saw it this morning. First uh, John three sixteen. By this we know love that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Mm. By this we know love. By God we know love. We can love because He loved us first. It's yeah. like, yeah, like anyone who could read the Bible and say it's like a hateful book. Or that it endorses slavery, or um, or you know, it's it's degrading to women, or or, or anything along the lines. I've heard I've heard critics of of, um, of scripture say, "I'm just like, have you read the book? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you read it in its entirety? Because how could you discern that after you've read the book? You clearly mm-hmm. haven't. Right? Like nobody who's read the Bible could say that and, and truthfully no. that be that that be their observation. No." It, show, it shows a willful ignorance at that point that I yeah. want to reject this because who knows what their reason is. But, well, that's you know. one of the things that I talked about with Judah once was uh, if you went and started up a Twitter account and every day posted a verse from the Bible, eventually you'll get banned. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be on Twitter. Yeah. Well, th- th- there's so much in there. There is stuff that 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 can seem like there's all the violence. Like we were just talking about, you know, the, the, the woman getting raped and hacked into pieces and whatever else. But... Again, it's like you have to realize, you have to learn the attributes of God. And the number one thing that we know about God is God is love. And everything that was done, even in the Old Testament, 
which, which is the old covenant, which is no longer has rule over us. But even through all that, everything that God did, it was out of love. So how do we justify that? I mean, you, you, have, to, you have to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. You have to go through it with the lens of love, that so, God is see, love. See, I do think of God as love, but I don't think of that as the first thing when I think of God. When I think of God, I think of that God is holy. Yep. And what is holiest to me is God is pure, uncorruptible. God is love. God is justice. God is peace. God is truth, right? God is all of the good attributes, when you meet somebody and you're like, I really like that about them, they're just, they're honest. Mm. And I appreciate that. They're always truthful. You appreciate that about someone. Someone is all about justice. They care about that wrongs get righted. You appreciate that about another one of your friends, yeah. that they care, you know? You, you may appreciate that someone is pure, that they're not, you know, off running around getting all corrupted all the time. You're like, you know, that, that person is innocent and pure. So to me, when I think of God, I think of him as holy and that he is set apart with all those good attributes. When Jesus says, only God is good. Yep. Like, why do you call me good? Right. Well, and, and, and that's true. I, well, so, so what, what I'm of, coming from is, is 1 John 4, where it says, anyone who does not love does not know God. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because God is love. love. Like, exactly. Like, like, literally, that's that's the defining characteristic. You think of other gods, these gods of war and these gods of hate. I mean... Or fertility. Yeah, or and, and I mean, yeah. is God pure? Is God holy? Is God... Yeah, I mean, he's all of these things. Well, so when we're talking about the Bible, and, you know, Ben's talking about, you know, you'd get banned on Twitter or whatever... Mm-hmm. And you read about how God destroyed the entire earth, except for <laughs> right. Noah and what, like seven other people, yeah. right? So it's like, it's like, why? Because it says that there were evil in their hearts continually, and that God regretted making people because there were. Think about someone who's evil. When you think of, uh, you know, look up evil in your mind. Is it Adolf Hitler? Yeah. Is it Jeffrey Dahmer? Is it Charles Manson? Is it some mass murder serial killer? Is it some warlord like Saddam Hussein? Like whoever you think of as evil, right? Yep. The Bible says that everyone on earth was like that, but God found favor with one person, Noah. Right. It doesn't say he found favor with his seven other family members. It said one no. person, but God's grace is yeah, sufficient. Extended. It extended, exactly, times, you know, seven other, or to seven other people, yeah. right? So it's not like God destroyed the entire earth because he's some violent God. It's because it needed to be cleansed mm-hmm. because his justice has demands, his, his justice needed to be satisfied. You can't just have an entire world of evil people. He didn't make it to be that way. He made it so that we could love and be loved. I, I, like the way you're describing it is like God's like, I'll save you and your family. <laughs> it's like God knows the importance of relationship, doesn't he? Because God is a relational being. Yeah. It's like God is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's, he's the trinity of trinities, they say, right? It's mm-hmm. like, so that's a relationship right there. He creates the heavens and the earth. That's the relationship there with him in the heavens and the earth. He creates mankind, right? In Eve, right? So, so mm-hmm. life. So there's another relationship. His relationship to, in Hosea is he's, he's saying is like my son. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling you out of Egypt. Right. It's like you're like my, my um, you know, adulterous wife. Mm-hmm. And yet I take you back. Mm-hmm. So all, like that's another theme of the Bible is how God is all about relationship. Right. Right? You know? So to me it's just so important when, when you're reading Hosea and you're seeing all these, you know, callbacks to... Uh, the rape and murder of a woman and how humans sin or be it we're talking about in John God's love it's like it's all uniform mm-hmm. and uh, there, there's an o- there's always an overarching theme that goes from alpha to omega from beginning to end from, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation mm-hmm. it's like uh, what is this this is uh, the 21st book of the Bible Hosea right I don't know. I think, I think that's yeah, what it is. It's yeah. like the 21st scroll in the order of them. I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's the 21st book of the Bible. And I mean, it's 66 books, right? Yeah. It's like, that's a lot of books. And we're, yeah. we're only, a, what, a quarter of the way through? Yeah. You see what I mean? So it's like, there's still a lot more to go as far as understanding mm. where does this book sit in the entirety of Scripture? Not right. just 
us picking apart, you know, slow cooking and marinating in these individual verses. It's all about God's love and willingness to redeem that which is lost, that which is broken. And the value that God places on mankind is actually kind of unreasonable. The, the, the song, you know, Reckless Love, which there's, I don't know, any song in recent history that has gotten more debating over the, theo- the theology of a song than that one because they're like, well, God's not reckless and God's love isn't reckless. And, and, and people just need to like, you know, look at art as art and look at it from the frame of mind of, you know, he's the guy writing the song isn't saying that God is being reckless. He's saying it's to us. It seems reckless to to us. It seems reckless. Yes. It's like, why the heck (laughs) would you give them another chance? You exactly, know, yeah. I mean, it's like why would what, you why would you pursue us? Right, when we want nothing to do with you. Half right, we're more than half the time. And and, and yet, yeah, is it reckless? Well, we we can argue both sides of that. But from our perspective, from our vantage point, what what Hosea did was reckless. Hmm. Why would you take her back? Right. Are you stupid? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's illogical. It's like you're going to get a disease, buddy. It's yeah. like it's like I you mean, get bit by a snake. You go yeah. back and help the snake again. It's going to bite you. It's like <laughs> how many more times are you going to go help the snake that keeps biting you? Right. Yeah. And you how, many, how many people like or yourself have been? I, I know I've been in a relationship where you have people going and say, "Why? What are you doing? Why do you keep going back? Right? Why do you keep going back? Why do you keep letting them back in? And yeah, I, I get a complete. That's the way yeah, I. Look you're being at a it. fool. You're playing yeah. the fool over and over again. And yeah. that's and that's that's the reckless love. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what does the Bible teach versus what does the world teach? You know, the reason why I was bringing up the, the snake and the snake bite thing is that that's like I forgot where I've heard this before, but it's like it's the story of I've heard it said as a fox. I've heard it said as a snake before, but it's like you know. Um, a woman goes along and she sees an injured snake on the side of the road and she feels sorry for it. So she, she picks it up and she, you know, dresses the wounds and she nurses it back to health and she brings it food. And, um, you know, after about a week or two, the snake is, is mended. And as she goes to bring it food, the snake bites her hand, mm. right, and poisons her and she begins to slowly die. And she's like, I, I, I nursed you back to health for days. It's been, mm. it's, you know, why would you do this to me? And then he looks at her and he just says, you knew I was a snake. Right. Like, like, what did you think was going to happen? It's just nature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's a very worldly sort of parable. Yeah, it's but then you, the... then you read the Bible, and it's like the overwhelming love of God is that He'll leave the ninety nine righteous to go save the one that fell from the the, the narrow path that leads to right life. Right? Yeah. It's like He'll go after you because there'll be He says there's there'll be more rejoicing for one person who comes back like the prodigal son than for those ninety nine that are already going to be. Yep. being with God yep. you know it's crazy mm. it, it is it's crazy you know yeah. it's yeah. powerful stuff but Lenny I know your, your wife does sometimes she'll break down song does she ever break down reckless love I'm sure she has oh, okay just probably hasn't done a video of it yeah if you, have, if you guys haven't if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard the song by Corey Asbury reckless love very catchy, very yeah. catchy too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that, how have you not heard it? Yeah, yeah how have you heard <laughs> this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty sure it won a Grammy. Sure, pretty much everybody's heard yeah. it by now. Um, probably to ad nauseum. Such a level. It's like okay, yeah. enough is enough. Yeah. But um, it demonstrates that God's love, and through this <clears throat> book, even as God tasked Hosea with marrying gomer it's like he's doing it to demonstrate his love and forgiveness and even though israel collectively is just 
thick-headed and will not do the right thing. It's like God is still faithful to his promises and still is showing love and still is saying, come to me, come to me. And that's the thing with each of us, that no matter how far you go, you're not any further away from God's presence than you were before. He says, I'm in your midst. Yeah, and yeah. it's like he's there. Mm. And are we willing to turn to him, though? You know, are we willing to turn to him? Are we willing to acknowledge him? Are we willing to allow him to plow up our hardened hearts to let him plant the things in us? And, and you know, it's, you know, like what you mentioned, Ben, um, and, and I kind of said, uh, alluded to, you know, people wonder why all these bad things happen in their life. And it's like, well, you've been planting this bad stuff for so many years and so many years. And, and we do, we, we reap what we sow, right? We plant things and we harvest that. But through God's overwhelming love and compassion, as he plows these things up, he can also remove some of these things that we've planted so that we don't harvest all of the evil that we've planted. Because God forbid we ever harvest all the evil that we've planted. Oh. Man, where will we be? If we had to harvest it all. Think about even this. God asks his prophet. So this is someone who is obedient to God's will. Someone who is obviously seeking the Lord. He asked Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. How hard. We said this six weeks ago when we started this, right? Like, you want to be you want to be a good uh, follower of Jesus? Yeah. Listen to what he tells yeah. you to go and do. Yeah. No matter yeah. how much you think that that would be sinful to go and marry a prostitute. <laughs> like, right? Everybody wants to speak on behalf of God, but not everybody wants, wants to go out and ma- marry a hooker. So think about what kind of man Hosea is. And I'm not trying to bring glory to Hosea, but I'm just saying I'm bringing glory to his obedience of God. Right. Yeah, he's, he's obeyed. Yeah, he obeyed God and he went and did this, right? Yeah. Also that generations could experience this story. That boggles my mind. Because and I don't think he knew that. Of course not. I don't think God was like, look, you do this now, and for thousands of years, there's going to be a group of guys that's sitting down 3,000 years from now talking about this, man. You do this. For weeks. Yeah, you, you, for <laughs> weeks. You're going to be a legend, dude. Yeah. No, no, he doesn't know that. Yeah. It's he, like, he's, he's not doing like, it for glory. He's stupid. not doing it for God. Yeah. And it's like, how would have I told you they're going to mention you in a podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will you do it then? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it's crazy to me because it's like, this brings glory to God, the story, right? Yep. And it's like you said, like you you sleep, you know, well at night because you have your faith in God, not because you have faith in the US military, right? Yeah. It's like that we won't be invaded, so to speak, right? So it's like when you have peace of mind from God, it doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. Like Jesus had faith in God, right? He said, Father, if there's any other way you could take this cup from me, right? He says mm-hmm. that. But he says, But if not, your will be done. And right. he, t- he takes on the burden, just like Hosea. And I said it before, Hosea is the same name Yeshua, just in Hebrew in that day and age. Mm-hmm. It's the same name Yahshua, too. It's, it's, it's like Joshua, right? Mm. Which means savior or salvation, right? It's like, I think that there's, a, there's an awesome correlation that is happening between that, where it's like, this is going to be difficult, but it's God's plan. And lean not on your own understanding. Because just like he says in Hosea, he says, don't you realize I'm the one who started all of this, creation? I'm the one who, who laid out the plan for Israel to be taken out of Egypt. I'm the one who allows you to be conquered by Babylon, Egypt, and Assyria. You know, I am the one who is in control here. You know, if you, if you have faith in me and you glorify me, I will be your provider. Mm. Don't worry about how crazy or bad your situation is. Trust in me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. Yeah. It is the thing about, like, yeah, will you take this cup from me, but if it's uh, it your will, it will be done. It's like, 
he knew how much that was gonna hurt. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's not that, that he didn't want to die for us. He knew like before I die, it's gonna suck. I'm gonna have all kinds of pain, and you know, just oh. Well, here's the thing. He cried out. He pleaded with God to take that away. And that was his humanity. He didn't right just there. Right. Yeah. He didn't you know, just say. Just shoot me in the he head. He was stripped of everything and said, yeah. "Please, like, begging for his life." But I don't think he was he begging for his, his life. I don't think he was begging for his life because he knew he had to die. I think he was begging for the fact that like, I don't want to have to go through that insane amount of pain. I'm gonna have to go. Through. Well, yeah, like I said, it's his, it's, his, it's his humanity that experienced that level of fear. Yeah. And here's the thing. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was both all man and both all God. Yeah. The Son of God in particular, right? Yeah. And yet scholars have debated the divinity of Christ up until this day. Right. Like, there's people like, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's not God. I mean, other religions, Islam, oh, he's not God. He was just a prophet, right. you know? And it's like, the Bible Pretty is... Pretty crappy it, prophet if, if you're just basing him on a prophecy. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say crappy prophet, but I mean, the claims that he made invalidate... Him being a good prophet. Yeah, exactly. Because him saying, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the, the Father, Father except through me. me. Yeah, exactly. It's like... It's the Father and I are one. Right? It's, it's more like, like okay, if you're... Yeah. Like, you can't be a good prophet and say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, they're, you know, you can't say that he's a good prophet and deny his um, position in the Trinity and, and say that he's not God because... This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. Who can take away sin? Only God, it says in Scripture, right? right? Yeah. So there you go. Emmanuel, God among us. If somebody said about me, so, oh, you know, Judah's a good pastor, but I'm going around saying, guys, I'm actually God in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, well, you know, he's a little, little out there, but he's a good pastor. A good it's pastor. like, no, you can't call me a good pastor if I'm saying that. Yeah. If I'm yeah. saying, I am God. Hey, folks, you want to get to heaven? you got to come through Judah. <laughs> you're like, well, you know, I'm tearing my robes, people. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry, yeah, I'm tearing my like, robes. Yeah. But he's a good, he's a good prophet. You're yeah, like, yeah, otherwise, yeah, yeah. other than this big bold claim, claim yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> this blasphemy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's that, that's the big that's the big thing, right? Is that if Jesus is who he said he was, right? He's the Messiah. But if he's not, right? Yeah. Then he is a blasphemer and he should be stoned to death. Right. You know what I'm saying? By the by, by Jewish law. Yep. Or crucified by the Roman civilization. Pra- yeah. Praise Judah. No, I have no illusions of that for yeah. sure. But it's just one of those things that there, there are other people in history that were like seemed like Messiah candidates. Oh yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like people that were rabble rousers and tried mm. to fight the Romans, and they were like, they really most of themselves thought, "Well, I'm a devout, zealous believer. What if I feel like God's empowering me to, to, you know, that I'm zealous because you know these people are murdering my Jewish brothers? Like, I'm going to put a stop to this." And then yeah. you feel like, "Is am I appointed? Am mm. I the one? Right. Am I God's anointed? You know what I mean?" And, and you I'm, got Muhammad, and you got Joseph Smith, and yeah. you got you know I was, I was and all that. these other people. The problem know, with that is, is Confucius. They're, and... they're in their tomb. Right when you go look up these other religious leaders and prophets, and you go check their tombs, they're all their, there. their bones are there. Yep. And when you get to Jesus's tomb, yep, it's empty, just like the prophecy said. Right, that right. he'll be risen again in three days. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like he's the only historical person that they don't have his body for someone who has who has had this kind of an impact on the world. And, and, and the thing that's ironic is with that glaringly, potentially blasphemous statement that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And I've said this before. Every major world religion 
even world religions that predate Christianity, like Confucianism and some of these things, yeah, yeah. even ones that predate Christianity, all made room for Jesus. His first teachings, yeah, yeah. Mm. And they said, oh, this guy came and he's somebody. Now, we don't want to send people away to him exclusively, but we cannot deny what he did. Yeah, cool. And this is why, and, you know, in uh, Baha'i and... Sikh, uh, yeah. You know, Sikh and yeah. Islamic and, you know, uh, Jehovah's Witness and... Mormons. Mormons. And, yeah. and, I mean, you name it, it's like they all... I mean, Scientology. I mean, it's like all these things... You know, it's like they all have a nod to Jesus. Or they make room for his teachings in their teachings. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, now they, they twist it and distort it and whatever else, mm -hmm. and they certainly don't ex accept his most important claims, but they've realized that a Jewish carpenter born 2,000 years ago, that some people still have the audacity to say never existed, which is the most... Hilarious. Yeah. It, 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 Even it, atheist scholars acknowledge right. that he was a real person right. and that he died because we have the records. But, but, yeah. but it's like this guy yeah. who, I mean, we have modern technology and we can't even make an impact like what he made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, walking on foot, I, someone said like he, he never went more than like 30, 40 miles. He walked everywhere on foot. They had no uh, communication. He never wrote a single article, a single book, a single scroll. He never wrote anything down, and he only did it in less than three years. I mean, it's like... Yeah, yeah. you don't have to be John Piper or, you know, someone who writes yeah. a, an author of a book or theology or anything to have an impact like Jesus did. Right. You, you don't have to be a scholar. Yeah. You could be just a regular Joe Schmo, blue-collar person yeah. like how Jesus was and impact the world around you. It's like, that's the most important part is like, you know, I, I was just watching yesterday with my family the, the, the TV show... The Chosen. Have you seen yeah. that? Mm, yeah. In this episode, and I don't, I don't want to give it away, but he's talking to John, the beloved, and he's talking to, um, he calls him Big James. The, you mm. know, the, the, I guess the older or taller <laughs> James, right? And, and you know, they're pretty upset because these Samaritan people, like, spit at them and throw rocks at Jesus and, and the two of them. And he's like, they appeal to Jesus in the show. And they say, you know, you know, call down holy fire on them. And so mm. Jesus is like, whoa, that's what you want me to do? Right. He's like, we came here to extend love to these people. And we're foreigners to them. Right. So, of course, they're going to treat us like that. So, so you're mad because they're, you, you as a culture as, of, of Israel have, have hated them and they've hated you. Mm -hmm. And now they've shown you the seeds that you've sown of this kind of sin of hatred. Mm -hmm. But we're here to, to, to love and heal these people. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not here to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, when I saw that, it makes me think of all the things we've been talking about since I started coming to this Bible study. Mm -hmm. Which is just like how God's love can be done. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a physician to heal people. You don't. You just you give it to God. You just got you just got to marry a prostitute and write about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like it's, it's, it's like it's like it's like Jesus was a, like a technonist, like a technical builder, a carpenter, whatever you want to call him. Right? He was he was a blue collar guy. You don't have to be some great theologian. You don't have to be some prolific author. You don't have to be some you know doctors without borders, miraculous surgeon, or mm. you know coming up with the cures uh, to crazy ailments. You can just be you. Yeah. And God will work through just just you. Yeah. And all your weakness and, and all, all your failures and all your problems. That's how he will glorify his namesake. Yeah, you know, I saw this thing online and, and usually I don't I don't like the these like kinda sometimes hokey Christian posts, but this one I thought was pretty cool. It said the greatest man in history. Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, 
yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. And it just sums it up perfectly. Yeah, it just sums it up. You know, it's like, you know, he, he was, you know, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords, made just an eternal difference in this world. So, anyhow, uh, let, let's wrap things up uh, here. Um, I, I'd say let's continue it for another week. Um, and uh, continue reading 8 through 14. And then, and then we'll probably wrap it up uh, next week. Uh, this book of Hosea. So that wraps it up for this week, and we'll be back next week with uh, some more on Hosea 8 through 14. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.